You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman. Not joined by Frank Madden today. He's getting some work done, but we do have a guest. He's from uh, he's from en- enemy territory. Uh, I don't know if that's the most uh, polite way to introduce someone to the podcast for the first time, but he is on the Lakers beat. He is the editor-in-chief of the Lakers SB Nation site and the host of the Lake Show podcast. Harrison Fagan, thanks for, thanks for jumping on with me. Well, I was going to say thank you for having me on, but then after that intro, I don't know. Like, am I supposed to come in here and just – am I supposed to be the troll now? Like, just come in here. Like, you know, I'm not even, like, a Lakers fan uh, anymore. I grew up as one, but now I just cover the team. But honestly, now I'm just tempted to spend the entire podcast talking about how we, not the Lakers, we – are uh, going to take Giannis from you guys in like four years. So <laughs> wow. you know, that, that was all of your listeners just rage quitting. I, I apologize. That, that was that was certainly a big swerve. But I actually didn't know you weren't a Lakers fan. So that's great. That means that uh, we're all back on board. Uh, <laughs> with this, with this well, yeah, all the people who made it through that, like that statement are all back on board now. Um, yeah, listen, uh, I think most Bucks fans at this point are used to. I mean, Giannis has been rumored to every single franchise in the league at this point, and uh, while I'm sure there's there's still the the you know usual anxiety about what's to come, I think we're all in a pretty comfortable spot with with what's happening with Giannis at the moment. But speaking of uh, comfortable spot, the Lakers right now and the Bucks both 24 and four, and. Funnily enough, everyone was looking at this matchup coming up tonight between the Bucks and the Lakers, and they were looking at, okay, the Lakers are riding on this long road streak. The Bucks have obviously had their 18-game winning streak, and now they both have a loss. And it's kind of, uh, once the Bucks lost to the Mavericks, it was kind of uh, convenient, I thought, for the symmetry of this game that the Lakers uh, did fall to the Indiana Pacers, obviously without Anthony Davis. But before we get to this year's Lakers, I watched that game, and, and the last possession obviously it's been spoken about a lot Rajon Rondo puts up the three and it reminded me of I don't know if you were at this game last season when the Bucks traveled to Staples yes Center. I know exactly which game you're talking about yes you, yes, so you know say. where I'm going with Rajon Rondo shooting the, the six threes or whatever it was in the first five minutes of the game and it became like a little bit of a sideshow that uh, Rondo it's like how many threes is this guy going to shoot in the end the Bucks win the game Giannis finally sort of breaks the shackles in the fourth quarter but I just think that game in general, what a change this has been for the Lakers, even when you look at the, uh, the locker room and the, what seems to be pretty damn good chemistry between all these personalities. Uh, this must be a fun team to cover at the moment. No, it's honestly, it's the most fun to, that I've had covering a team. My first day covering the Lakers, and I was not on the beat at that point. It was just like blogging. But my first day actually writing about the team was the day Dwight Howard left the first time. 
Um, and so I have not gotten to cover a whole lot of great Lakers basketball uh, to this point. Even last year, I was starting to wonder, you know, if I was the curse because like they got <laughs> LeBron and they were still terrible. And like there were obviously extenuating circumstances beyond just my presence to that. But um, I was starting to wonder if it was my fault. And, you know, they've gotten it together this year. This has definitely been a much more fun team to cover. I remember exact just to almost illustrate this. I remember the exact game that you're talking about with Rondo last year, because I remember I, I was still in school at that point. I was finishing out classes. We, it was it had been a long season at that point. And like I was just like dead tired showing up to that game. I did not want to be there. Um, and all of a sudden, like. Like Rondo starts to it took like you know whatever it was six or eight threes in the first quarter and I was like okay I'm in like this is the most interesting thing that started happening like all year like how many threes will he take if they just keep leaving him open and he's decided he's gonna shoot tonight I was hoping for some like circus like 30 like 33 point attempts from Rajon Rondo that night and you know we didn't ultimately get that which was disappointing just from like you know I always enjoy kind of the basketball sideshows occasionally um but yeah like this this year's team is a lot better I honestly think that it's crazy that like not only did they both lose to end up tied with the same record again but just that they have the exact same record at 24 and 4 heading into this game at all which is just kind of a wild like I wonder how many times two teams have met 28 games into the season to have the exact same record like especially being both of them are the number one seeds in their conference that's kind of crazy and it makes this game feel like it has like it's even more of a measuring stick for both teams than it would have felt like otherwise yeah, I mean, there's no question. And I think maybe from the outside, I'm not so sure, but certainly people are eyeing off uh, two massive games for these two teams when you think the Lakers obviously have the Clippers on, on Christmas Day and the Bucks the Sixers. But I don't know, man. I mean, this game right now, as you said, both teams 24-4. and four. The Bucks have been a, a great team at home, even though they lost the other night. And the Lakers have been a great road team. I mean, this for an early season matchup, I'm not sure I remember uh, sort of anticipating a game like this at this point of the season so much just given the circumstances but do we I I touched on Howard he's smiling a lot Rondo even seems to be getting along with everyone do we believe that this is just the way it's going to be for the whole season is something going to break up what seems to be the uh, perfect fitting locker room at the moment because I don't think people probably would have believed that this would be the case at this point No, yeah, I mean, I, you know, hand up, I certainly wouldn't have. Like, I knew this team would have better chemistry because I knew they'd be better. Like, they have Anthony Davis. They don't have the threat of being traded for Anthony Davis, holding, (laughs) like, kind of being over their head for almost the entire year. We didn't really start the year with that, but it was almost the entire year that that was, like, a thing last year, at least a good chunk of it and uh so like we knew I knew this team would be better and I knew they'd have better chemistry but yeah it it is this weird thing where especially for me personally because I've only covered bad Lakers teams I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and like they they keep like it was like you know it was 10 games and it's like okay this starts you know, like they're off to an awesome start, but you know, when are they going to kind of like even out or whatever, the schedule will get tougher. They'll start to, you know, they, they're good. They're clearly good, but they aren't this good. And then now it's like at 24 and four, they've actually been on a long road trip at this point. They've really started to play some tough teams. You know, they obviously have probably their toughest yet, depending on how you feel about the Bucks or Clippers uh, coming up on Thursday. 
And so, but they've played good teams at this point and they've won and they've maintained a good record despite, you know, dealing with injuries, despite being on the road a lot this month. And I'm starting to get to the point where I'm really starting to buy in and think like, okay, this really is for real, even if, you know, maybe not everyone expected them to be quite this good going into the season. Like, I, I think my expectations thinking back to August was like this this is a good team this is a team with a chance at a title and now I'm kind of but like you know some things are gonna have to break right they're gonna have to probably get like a buyout guy or two or swing like a little trade or whatever whereas now I'm at the point where I feel like like they're almost the prohibitive favorite like I I don't know how you feel about that and you know where you'd put the bucks in that discussion and the clippers and like these other teams in the league but um you know I'm at the point where I I think this really is for real I I don't know that they're going to keep up this pace for the entire season because you know they're going to start they got the bucks like tomorrow they have the clippers coming up on christmas they're they're going to play some more tough teams and you know there will be the war of attrition as the year goes on and some guys start to get injured or load managed or whatever there's always little dings um but like i think this team is really for real and i think they're a threat to win it all for sure all right so you you sort of touched on the the war of attrition there and it's interesting to me when i look at uh the lakers roster at the moment and the games played so lebron hasn't missed a game Davis has missed two, including the last game against the Pacers, which uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the both teams are, at the time of recording are yet to release any injury reports yet for well, Davis, the game. Davis is uh, questionable, actually. They, okay, they, they put that out. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, I mean, that's the, for Bucks fans. This is this is an interesting thing because uh, you know, despite the the record, there's been a lot of games where star players from the opposition team have missed games. But let's talk. Let's focus. Uh, continue focusing on the Lakers here. So LeBron, as I said, 28 games, Davis has missed the two, both playing 34.7 minutes per game. I would say the concern around LeBron is probably a little less just because he has been such an iron man through his career last year, obviously raised some concerns when he had that one sort of long, longer term injury. But uh, is there, what, what, how do you feel the concern level is within the franchise because there's been so much talk about load management and to this point the Lakers uh, with their two top guys have really avoided that is this something that is a legitimate concern over the course of not only the 82 games but you're talking about a team that, that wants to play right through to June today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Wrapped if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live or at Locked On Bucks on Twitter, and we will share and retweet that one for you guys. Yeah, like within the team, like it's always this interesting thing because, like, I'm sure that if you shot, like, let's say Rob Palinka up with Truth Serum, like he would probably say that, like, you know, he would prefer that you know, LeBron get load managed a little bit just because I feel like every GM would say that about their yeah. star player. Uh, like if they were being completely honest and, but like to this point, like, you know, Rob doesn't really give interviews. He doesn't really talk like Frank Vogel, every single time he's been asked about it, which has been a lot because uh, the Lakers have a lot of media covering them in every city. And sometimes they repeat questions that have already been asked. Um, and like Frank has been asked quite a few times about this load management thing. And every time he says, you know, if they want to play, like we feel like that and like they're, they're cleared by the medical staff. then we feel like that's their choice to play. 
And I think that both LeBron and Anthony Davis have made it very, very clear that they want to play. Like, they don't want to sit out. LeBron just went on that kind of lengthy diatribe against load management and how he wants to – and this is something he said throughout his career where, like, he doesn't know if there's someone in the building that this is their only time that they've saved up to go and see him. And, like, he wants to play for that kid sitting up in, like, the rafters or whatever it may be. Um, Davis has – I think for Davis it's almost out of a different place where it's – he's had that injury prone label put on him fairly or unfairly. I think at certain points during his career, he's had that foisted onto him. And I think this year he really wants to show that that's not him and that he is not injury prone. And like, yes, he did miss the last game with an ankle sprain. He's also dealt with a rib issue, a shoulder issue this year. He's had little bumps and bruises, but I think there's been a concentrated, in addition to being one of the many guys that got sick over the last couple of weeks, like there he really wants to stay in the lineup. And I think he really wants to, like, I think he sees that all the end of season awards that he's been denied, that he probably feels like he should have won um, and those kind of things. And I think that he really wants to stay in the lineup and knows that the major knock on him, you know, again, fair or not, because I think sometimes that's been more of a narrative than it's been a reality. Um, when you look at how many games he's played during his career, during most seasons. But I think that he wants to get that narrative off of him and, you know, be in contention for these end of season awards. And so I think they both are really, really motivated to keep this team as good as it can be every single night. Yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of interesting. I mean, when we look at this from a, from a Bucks perspective, we see a guy in Giannis that <laughs> is just, I mean, you have to really talk this guy into to not playing. And, and it's been well documented. You talk to Bud, you talk to Giannis himself, anyone around the Bucks, they're just like, yeah, it is really, really hard to stop Giannis from playing. And this is even with uh, some of the, the knee issues he's had over the year in terms of this uh, tendonitis thing that we haven't heard anything of this year. And they're clearly managing him. He's only playing 31 uh, minutes per game. Uh, it helps when you're, you're up by a lot in, in a lot of these games. But yeah, I think there's some of that with LeBron. And, and even though LeBron in the past has had nights off and he's coasted a little bit, certainly to start the season, uh, he does seem to be in that mode now where he wants to play every night. And, and we certainly see that uh, with Giannis on, on, yeah, he's only missed one game to this point, And that was with that quad tendon soreness, but uh, he doesn't show any signs of, of ever wanting to have a night off, even if he is a little bit sore. So they've got that in common, but when we look at this game, when we really get into this now, both teams top five in, in offense and defense. Bucks uh, ranked first in net rating, uh, 12.4, and the Lakers second at the moment. An interesting comment came from George Hill after the Bucks lost against the Mavericks the other night. He was asked about the winning streak, the 18-game winning streak, and he said, yeah, it's, it's something along these lines. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the quote in front of you. But he said that the Bucks have only played really well in two or three of those games, which is quite remarkable. And it was an interesting quote to come from a player straight after a game. But watching the Bucks night in, night out, you would have to agree with that. I mean, we sit here on this podcast daily and we say, well, you know, the Bucks were sort of just playing with their food a little bit for three quarters and then they put you know, 10 minutes of good basketball in and they win the game. And when I've watched the Lakers this year, they have won actually a lot of close games and it might blow out to that sort of seven, eight point margin at the end. But during crunch time, there is still a game. And I, I think both of these teams probably feel that while they do have a 24-4 and four record, there is a, a lot of improvement still to come. And I, I'm not sure, is that what you're seeing with this Lakers team right now? Do you feel like they're close to firing on all cylinders or are they just uh, at the tip of the iceberg right now? 
so I, I actually have conflicting thoughts on this because the team definitely feels like they have another level to reach. And I think that that's like a fair stance to take when you're looking at a roster that mostly just came together this summer. Like, yeah, they've hit their stride, but like you mentioned, you know, and much to the chagrin of those of us that have to write instant recaps of these games, like, you know, they've been in a lot of close games down the stretch where, you know, like things are constantly changing. Like even last night against the Pacers, it really wasn't clear who was going to win that game until there were about like, maybe 30 seconds left or a minute. Um, And so like they have had a lot of close games. They have, you know, had some blowouts and they've been able to manage that a couple times. Like that was when it really started to click in for me that this team was good was when they started finally blowing out some of the bad teams that they played like, and they just weren't playing with their food in a lot of cases. Like I I think that over the last week or so, as they've started to get progressively more dinged up, we've seen that a little bit more, but there was like a stretch in the middle here of this like first, you know, trimester of the season where they were really just blowing out the bad teams and they were just taking care of business. But at the same time, like, I also wonder, you know, how, how much of a level up they can go when their schedule is technically going to get like, you know, it it is going to get tougher and they are going to start to play a little, a few more of these tough teams. So I don't know, like, I think that they can get better as a team. I just don't know if necessarily the record and numbers and all that stuff will reflect that. I, I do think that they have room to grow chemistry-wise and learning how to play together and all of that stuff. But, you know, it's almost like it's hard to notice that stuff sometimes if you're just, like, looking at the outcomes. Because I think that, you know, as the season goes on, we see this time and time again with teams. Like, even if they get off to a hot start, they slow down because, you know, there's a couple injuries here and there and whatever. And, like, maybe they are getting to know each other a little bit and getting more ready for the postseason. But they don't necessarily have, like, the hottest record heading in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with, with the Bucks last season as well. I mean, they, they finished pretty well. They certainly started well, but uh, through the middle of the season or just after that seven-game win streak, they, they did play 500 ball for a little bit. And, and that, uh, there was a number of factors for that. But I think, you know, without doubt, when I, when I look at these two teams, I see two teams that are really dominant on the inside uh, offensively. Now for the Bucks, clearly a huge part of that is Giannis. I mean, we know that the Dunks leader last year, he plays with that... Uh, you know, that, that style that keeps on getting compared to Shaq. Both the Bucks and the Lakers ranked number one for points in the paint at 53.4 a game. And for opposition points in the paint, the Bucks ranked number one for giving up only 39 in the paint. The Lakers number five, giving up 43.4. So these teams like to score on the inside, but they also defend the paint really, really well. And this has been the staple of the Bucks' defense ever since Mark Budenholzer came in. We know the impact that Brooke Lopez has had combined with Giannis. So for the Lakers, this isn't a team that shoots a lot of threes. They only get up around 30 per game, which if you're not a team that shoots a lot of threes, that kind of plays into what the Bucks are trying to do defensively. So how are the Lakers going to try and get inside and score on this Bucks defense? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of brute force. Um, like they really, you know, they, they haven't run as many Anthony Davis and LeBron pick and rolls as I think a lot of us thought they might going into the season. So it hasn't really been like that. A lot of the time, it's really just trying to get LeBron going downhill off of screens. It's trying to get Anthony Davis in like the mid post area and let him beat guys off the dribble. Like it's a lot of just kind of taking their guys off the dribble and getting to the basket. Like, or, you know, using the pressure that that creates to create 
little cuts or little whatever for like Dwight Howard for JaVale McGee um, and those guys like they're really trying to get force the ball uh, into the paint and you know there's been nights where they have a lot of turnovers due to that because this team also really really likes to throw lobs uh, to cutters to you know whoever and sometimes I think that they get a little bit over ambitious with you know they decide that that night like JaVale McGee is going to be able to catch it from above the backboard or like same with Dwight Howard or LeBron or whoever there's a lot of good law Anthony Davis uh, who Frank Vogel just said he thinks is like the best lob catcher in the league um, and like so there's a lot of these guys that are targets but sometimes it does lead to turnovers especially if teams are really keying in on that and like ignoring their shooters so I, I do think that the Bucks are an interesting matchup for the Lakers from that perspective and then also how they attack offensively you know, with Brooke Lopez spreading teams out and that kind of thing, because uh, JaVale and Dwight are very much like, like they can switch a little bit, but they aren't guys that are going to go chase out on the perimeter and things like that. So I am really interested. This is going to be a very different team than the Lakers have necessarily played a ton of so far. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I do think that Brook Lopez is a, is a real key for the Bucks in this one. Uh, we obviously know that Giannis is going to have to play well, and the Bucks are going to miss uh, Eric Bledsoe again. And and I think that that was a, a telling uh, omission from the Bucks lineup against Dallas because what you saw was the guards in in Brunson and Seth Curry were able to really get past that first point of attack, get into the paint, and then uh, create a little bit, but. A big problem for the Bucs was that Brook Lopez started the game really poorly. He missed a couple of threes. He missed a couple of layups. And so uh, Bud really went away from Brook Lopez. They went to some smaller lineups in the, in the second quarter. And when you have Brook off the floor, if, if you're an opposition team and Brook Lopez is having one of those nights where Bud wants to go smaller and he's uh, not on the floor, then that really disrupts what the, the Bucs are trying to do defensively. I think against this Lakers team with Davis and LeBron and the way that, as you said, it's going to be force of nature. They're going to try and score inside Brooke Lopez is a guy that the Bucks need to play well and I also think he is going to be a big factor on the offensive end so what are you expecting from the Lakers end lineup wise but if you if you're you are trying to get Brooke off the floor I, I think it becomes easier for a guy uh like Lopez to play in this game if you're playing Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee at uh, JaVale McGee big minutes with Davis at the five it changes things a little bit what do you see the Lakers doing yeah, I think Davis hasn't played a ton. He's actually played, I think, last I checked, so this may have changed, you know, at some point during the last week or so, but last I checked, this was the least amount of five that he's ever played in his career, according to uh, basketball reference. And so it's because they have these other two guys in JaVale and Dwight who they don't play the entire 48 minutes at center, you know, or anything, but they basically play like as much as a start. I think they play about 36 or 37 minutes combined. And so that's like, that's a lot, good chunk of the game where the Lakers are staying big and staying with the traditional five on the floor and Anthony Davis in a lot of cases, like this almost like if Davis is out, then the Lakers almost, I think are more prone to go small than they would be if Davis was in because they, you know, they start Jared Dudley in that case. Um, Like they go to those four guard lineups, like a fair amount when Davis has been out in the two games that that's happened, like most recently against Indiana the other night. But if Davis is in there, I I actually agree with you. I think it is going to be easy for them to keep Lopez in the game just because there'll always be someone for him to guard. Um, and because if Davis is ready to play, like he's probably going to play a lot of four in that matchup. And so I I don't necessarily think that it's going to be like, this is not going to be something where the Lakers uh, really don't 
try to force matchups a whole lot this year. They kind of have the way that they want to play. And Frank yep. Vogel has talked about this. Like they want you to force them to try and play a different way. Like they're, they're just going to play the way that they play. And, you know, and they're confident that more often than not, that that's going to work out. And so I don't really see them trying to change what they do just to just because getting Lopez off the floor would, you know, it would make the Bucks less dangerous. But I think they're confident enough in what they do that they aren't necessarily going to deviate strategy, you know, outside of Davis being out of the lineup. So I think the Bucks are kind of similar, I think, in, in, the, in the way that they uh, use their defensive matchups. It's going to be interesting. I'm actually expecting that uh, Wesley Matthews is going to spend some time defending LeBron, and, uh, particularly on the perimeter. Now, that <laughs> if you haven't watched a lot of Bucks, that's, that's obviously going to be a little bit surprising. But we saw Wesley Matthews defend Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he, was the ma- he was the guy that got that primary matchup more than anyone else on the Bucks. We've seen Matthews defend Harden. And I really just think, for the, for, as I've sort of spoke about here, that the structure of the Bucks defense, they want Brook Lopez to stay at home, and they really love Giannis as that roaming guy uh, coming from the weak side to to help. So I like West Matthews on uh, on James as a matchup that I think they're going to start with. And then I think you'll see Chris Middleton and Giannis, uh, you know, out on the wings. I think Middleton, Danny Green makes a lot of sense. And then uh, Giannis, obviously, with Davis and Brook Lopez staying at home. I, I think that's the way that you're going to see the Bucks line up to start this one. Who's going to get Giannis on the perimeter? I mean, this is this is the real question. Who's going to be the guy to try and stop him at the point of attack and stop him from getting downhill? Yeah, I'm very interested in that almost more so than any other matchup in this game because, like, LeBron has been locked in on defense. Like, I don't want to say that he's not or that he's load managing. Like, like there was that famous story, I think, one or two years ago that Brian Windhorst did where LeBron, like, he basically tracked how often he was standing still and doing stuff <laughs> like that on the court. And that has not been LeBron. Like, LeBron can do that still a little bit in games, but he really has been locked in on defense. That said there haven't been a lot of games where he's taken on like the challenge of guarding the other team's best wing scorer or things like that. Like, and again, that's not like, you know, that's not to um, like criticize LeBron. He's 34. He's going to be 35 soon. Like it doesn't make sense for him to do that on a night to night basis, but like on opening night, you know, when Danny green wasn't on the floor uh, to guard Kawhi Leonard, like, Contavious Caldwell Pope just got abused like they just had no one else that was a bigger wing that could guard so I think it's possible that you see some of like I think Danny Green is still probably too small to guard Giannis I would feel like I don't I honestly am not I feel like this is the kind of matchup where LeBron is going to have to guard him some um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see I don't think this is going to be their primary strategy but I wouldn't be surprised to see Anthony Davis get the call against him a little bit like We saw them go to that a little bit against Kawhi on opening night. And, like, AD is quick enough to stay with most wings. And if you look at him and Giannis, like, they're both, like, these huge, like, kind of elongated limb guys that, like, Giannis is fast and he's better at getting to the basket than, like, maybe anyone in the league at this point. Um, But, like, AD can kind of stick with guys and he, like, he's smart with his timing and positioning and that kind of thing. I would not be surprised to see them like go to that to see if they can find the one player in the entire league whose length would uh, disrupt Giannis maybe even a little bit. Yeah, I mean that is that is a fun. Match. Even going back to uh, you know three or four seasons ago when when Giannis was first sort of making his rise, some of those matchups with Anthony Davis were really really fun, and I I, I would expect that we're going to see some Davis on on Giannis, but also you know I I don't think that it would be uh, a, a total surprise if we did see Danny Green on the perimeter and then it's like, okay, 
if you're going to get past that first point of attack, then LeBron and Anthony Davis are there waiting for you, or Dwight Howard, or JaVale McGee, whoever it may be. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch either way. I do think that the defensive game of both these teams is, is what really makes this interesting because there's, there's a bunch of different ways they can go matchup-wise. As I said, then you have the wrinkle of the fact that the Lakers don't shoot a lot of threes. The Bucks do. So if this is a game where the paint is shut down, who does that suit? I don't know. Maybe maybe the Bucs. I mean, some of their shooters haven't been shooting uh, up to their normal uh, career marks for, for the year so far. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But as we... Yeah, I think, just real quick, I, I think a real bellwether for the Lakers there will just... They're going to need one, like maybe two guys to actually like have one of their good shooting nights, yeah. I think, yeah. tomorrow night in order to really like open this up and win this game. Um, like regardless of if Davis plays or not, like they're going to need Danny Green to have one of his nights where he shoots 50% versus like, you know, 25% or whatever it may be. Um, they're going to need like Rajon Rondo to hit a couple threes, like, or like one of those guys, Avery Bradley, Contavious Caldwell Pope, they need one of those guys to kind of heat up a little bit. And uh, most nights of the season, they've, you know, it's been by committee. They've gotten what, like one of their guys to heat up from three at least. And that generally can uh, like, is a pretty big help for them, even though they aren't a super strong three point shooting team overall. Yeah, I, look, I, as, as much as we talk about all the dominance inside, I agree. I mean, it might be one sort of outlier shooting night from one of these wings or one of these shooters that, that decides this one. But one thing I spoke about on this podcast leading up to the Clippers game, and this was just purely an opinion of mine when we talked about who that game uh, meant more to. And I sort of thought that for the Bucks and for Giannis, the fact that even though it was a different team, the fact that it was Kawhi, if they had have been stopped or, or Kawhi had this huge defensive game and the Clippers were able to shut down the Bucks' offense, then I, I thought, the you know, considering that if they were to meet again, it would be in the NBA Finals, that would be a tough blow for the, for the Bucks to take considering what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. This one, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't know if, if the result really would mean anything more to anyone else. It certainly would from the outside. I mean, the narrative is going to be if the Bucks lose. They don't have enough. If the Lakers win, the hype train's going to go into really overdrive with the Lakers if they win. Do you have a feeling that this game would mean anything more to any one of these teams? Yeah, I don't like as far as to the teams themselves, it really seems like no, because yeah. like, you know, the, the the athletic just actually did like a story on the Lakers and like their quotes. And I was listening to them on post game as well last night, like pretty much all of them were like, you know, it's just another game. And most guys are going to say that, but you do occasionally get guys to say like, this is important. Like the, the Lakers have really talked about the Christmas day game a fair amount because I think that they did not like how opening night went and how that kind of set a narrative for like the first three days of the season that, you know, Clippers own LA, all this stuff. Like I think that they're very cognizant of when that one is, but for the most part, they just talk about taking it one game at a time. I I do think that as far as outside, like, you know, I I know Bucks fans are not always very happy with how little coverage they get nationally. Like I can promise them if they lose this game, they're going to get plenty of coverage nationally. It's just not (laughs) going to be the kind that it's going to be, like, I think I can read you, like, some headlines. It's just going to be basically, like, the Bucks didn't put enough around Giannis. Like, yeah. this is why he's going to have to eventually leave Milwaukee in free agency. Um, and, like, that's how they're going to draw attention to, like, one of the league's most exciting and young teams and then wonder about why the ratings are down. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, you're, you're spot on. I, this, that's what I was uh, trying to allude to uh, before. I mean, and this is what the narrative is going to be about the Bucs. All the listeners have heard me rant about uh, the national media and the Bucs and why you should not care about it. But you're right. I think you're right. That's, that's how this one's going to play out. 
Yeah, and so if that unlocks, like, angry Giannis for the rest of the season or for the next 10 games, sure. you know, maybe yeah. that ends up being a good thing for the Bucs. Um, for the Lakers, I think if they lose this game, especially if, like, AD plays, it's going to be – the whole narrative is going to be, oh, like, well, fake contender, they had an easy schedule. Like, they, you know, they lost the Clippers, they lost the Bucks, they lost to the Mavericks. Like, they can't beat good teams, all this stuff. So it's almost like one of these things where I think, like, it's going to be a bigger deal for the team that loses the game than it's going to be for the team that actually wins it. Like, I feel like whoever wins is going to get very little credit compared to the amount of criticism that is going to come to the losers on like the next day of sports radio and TV and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. And it, it is, you know, obviously we, we hope that Anthony Davis plays in terms of the matchup and, and looking forward to this one and how highly anticipated it has been, but the Lake is also on the end of a, a long road trip. So uh, there might be some fatigue there and they didn't necessarily play one of their best games against Atlanta two nights ago. Then they lose to Indiana. So uh, I look, I think both teams are going to be motivated to bounce back, but before we look to wrap this up, I want to talk MVP. Let's, let's get this out of the way while we have a Lakers beat reporter on the podcast. I think this is, this is a worthy conversation to have because I think at the moment, Giannis would be the front runner. And I, I think some of the early media votes, whatever, whatever you want to take from that at this point, have Giannis pretty clearly as the MVP. He's averaging 31, 12, and 5 in only 31 minutes. His three-point shot is up over 30% now. That's really coming along. He seems like he's the front runner, but... LeBron is the guy that continues to linger. And, and it sort of confuses me. Like, he's having a great, unbelievable season. Like, there's no question about that. What he's doing for uh, this point of his career, the fact that he did have a few injuries last year is absolutely amazing. But when I look at the numbers with Anthony Davis, I'm like, why is Anthony Davis not... Uh, why, is, why is he not in that conversation as well? Why is it so clearly LeBron? It would seem impossible for one of those two to win the MVP on the same team, right? Well, so that's the big question. And we actually, uh, Sabrina Merchant for us just wrote a column last week on like, that just said like LeBron and Anthony Davis should be the first co-MVPs. <laughs> and like, we just basically, we acknowledged but ignored the fact that that is probably not possible. <laughs> yeah, because right. basically be, like all the voters would essentially like have to vote the same. And like the math would be so complicated that there's like, you know, there's almost no way it could ever happen. But I think that on some level that's going to help Giannis because for the exact, and I'm not, that's why I'm not surprised the Bucks person brought it up is because if you just point out how good both of those guys are and how you can't really pick one as the MVP that is an argument that really helps Giannis and you know to be honest I'm not like I'm obviously not an awards voter Um, I would have a hard time picking who was and that's where really the column idea came out of when Sabrina and I were talking about what she was going to write for that week was like like we just aren't really sure who the MVP for the Lakers is I think there's an argument to be made for LeBron like in terms of I think Davis gets a lot more of his game unlocked by LeBron's presence than LeBron gets by by having Davis if that makes sense just because the ball handler big relationship like that's just how it is that's just basketball um but at the same time like you know Davis really has the narrative going because he showed up all of a sudden the Lakers are playing defense he's motivated LeBron to play defense and kind of held him accountable in a way that it doesn't show up necessarily in the stat sheet but I think that that is a real intangible factor in the Lakers success this year is LeBron having another star that he doesn't really and somebody that he's close with that he doesn't really want to let down if that makes sense and so, and like Davis has turned the defense around. He's incredible on that end. I think, honestly, I think he will win defensive player of the year at this point, as long as the Lakers don't totally drop off on that end. I think he's going to get the narrative momentum. Um, but 
like, yeah, as far as MVP, I, I think it's really going to come down more, again, to Giannis and Harden just because I have a hard time seeing enough voters thinking exactly the same way about which Laker is more valuable. And I think that that's going to detract from both of their votes. Even, even if 50% feel that it's LeBron and 50% feel that it's Anthony Davis, like, yeah. you know, how those, those, the, those two segments feel about the other one and how far they knock them down would hurt their candidacy and allow some of those guys getting second place votes to rise up. So, like, I just think that it would be tough for either of them to win MVP, even though I think they both honestly have decent cases. You know, the numbers that you laid out there for Giannis are just absurd, like especially the fact that he can kind of shoot now, um, which I don't think has really been – I know this is going to sound weird for Bucks fans to hear, but I really don't feel like as somebody who doesn't follow the Bucks day-to-day, like that's been covered enough or is talked about enough. Yeah. Um, he's really, really good. And, like <laughs> – I would very much not be surprised to see him win it again this year. I think LeBron and AD, like, they have a chance, especially if one of them, like, really continues to establish that, like, kind of they're the engine of this. Like, we're only not even 30 games in. So, like, these narratives can change. And people can start talking about how LeBron, you know, he did X, Y, and Z to really turn the Lakers around. And what an accomplishment at age 35 by the time the voting's are, the voting is happening. Like, I think that either of those guys could win it. But the fact that they're – it's like you said, the fact that they're on the same team as each other, I do think makes it a lot more difficult and helps Giannis's case, helps somebody like James Harden, like the, those kind of guys. Yeah, it's just it's just a really really tough call to make if you are a voter in that position and uh, you're watching both of those guys because uh, while I agree, I certainly think LeBron is making Davis better more than than the other way around. But uh, the defensive impact Davis is having has obviously been incredible, and they're both just incredible players. Like that's that's what it comes down to on on a really really good team. And yeah, I genuinely feel like my vote for which one of them is more valuable would change by the day. And I watch this yeah. team every day. So like, I know that that has to be the case, like for other people that don't watch this as frequently, or they aren't necessarily all going to be aligned in how they feel about which one is the like is the MVP of even this team, much less the league. And so uh, like, I, I think that does work against them to some degree, but like, that's fine. I'm sure one of them would be happy to take finals MVP, you know, at the end of the year as a, you know, a consolation prize. The other point to make when we look at this matchup as, as we do wrap it up, the, the difference with this game and the Clippers game a few weeks ago is that these two teams will play again a lot closer to the playoffs. That's uh, They're going to meet again in LA in March. So uh, while this, this game right now, the 24-4 and records, how well they've been playing, uh, is just going to be huge. Uh, they will meet again uh, before the playoffs. But... Enjoy the game, my friend. This one's going to be fun. We've been looking forward to this one for for a couple of weeks. No, I mean, I, I've honestly, it's the same thing here. Like, I, I've I've been looking forward to, like, I, I've honestly just been looking forward to an excuse to watch the Bucks on work time, just because <laughs> I feel like I haven't gotten enough to, I got, haven't gotten to watch them as much as I'd like to this year. And I like their team. I really like Giannis. Um, and I'm I'm really excited for this game. Like, I, I think it would be a bummer if Davis doesn't end up actually playing, although I would understand it from like his and Lakers perspective. Um, But at the same time, I think either way, it's going to be really fun. LeBron is really, really motivated this year. And so I think even if it was just him versus Giannis, that would be a really fun shootout to watch. And just uh, like the two guys that just, I think really more so than a lot of people really enjoy those like big marquee matchups against like other like genuine stars in the league, or at least LeBron seems to feel that way. Giannis has kind of struck me as that kind of guy as well, just from following from afar. Um, so I- I'm really excited for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. That's been Harrison Fagan. Don't forget to follow his work. You can get him on Twitter at HM Fagan and find his writing at 
the Lakers SB Nation site. Bucks and Lakers tomorrow. As I said, both 24 and 4. It's been a long time coming to get to this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. 7 p.m. Central Time. It's on TNT. A lot of people are going to have their eyes on this one. We hope Anthony Davis plays so we get uh, the best players matching up with each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for Harrison Fagan and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.